0: Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast. Following National Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month in November, we're talking about the importance of screening for Alzheimer's and dementia and what physicians need to know. I'm joined today by Dr. Lisa McGuire, lead of the Alzheimer's Disease Program at the CDC. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. McGuire, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you today.
1: Thank you, Todd. I'm excited to be here as well.
0: Well, before we dive in, and for those who don't know, can you start by briefly clarifying the difference between Alzheimer's disease and dementia and how the two are related?
1: That's a really good question, Todd. Um, Alzheimer's disease is a specific type of dementia whereas dementia is not a specific disease. Rather, it is a general set of symptomology or symptoms that can impair a person's ability to remember, think, or make decisions. And the, really, with dementia or Alzheimer's disease, we do see that it interferes with someone's functioning in their daily life.
0: Well, we know the burden of dementia on our healthcare system. It's already significant, and forecasts suggest that it's only going to get worse. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that burden and what's driving it.
1: Yeah, the burden of Alzheimer's disease is significant in the U.S., both on terms of the number of individuals, but really looking at the impact on the people and their caregivers who have the disease, as well as the cost and the impact on our healthcare system. Um, We do see that as people get older, the likelihood of them developing Alzheimer's disease or another type of dementia is likely to increase. Um, We do know that Alzheimer's disease, especially with that increase as people get older, sometimes it can also complicate some of the diseases that a person or a provider might be managing or treating. We know Alzheimer's in itself or dementia is underdiagnosed and undertreated and that it really can benefit from early detection. And it will help also manage those other comorbid conditions that a person may have.
0: I want to pick up on what something you just said about it being <laughs> underdiagnosed, particularly in primary care, uh, where screening is obviously key to uh, at least uh, relieving some of that burden. Why is it so important to catch this disease early and What difference does that end up making for both the patient and our healthcare system?
1: Well, being able to get a diagnosis early, if it's appropriate, is really important, not only for the person who has the disease, but also for the family and also the healthcare system as well, too. So we know that there are some benefits of getting a a diagnosis, preferably as early in the disease process as possible. So now we have the uh, approval of some new disease-modifying therapies that we haven't had before. So this is a new advance in 2023. And so with that, that is another benefit um, for people to get a diagnosis or at least to talk with their health care provider earlier rather than later because the evidence shows that those medications are only affected in the earlier stages of the disease. So even if a person isn't eligible for that disease-modifying therapy, there are some other medications that have been available for quite a while that really have the ability to slow the progress of the disease process. The other things with the early detection and diagnosis too, many times it brings some peace to the family as well as the person with dementia. They may have a recognition that something just isn't quite right or at least they recognize that something's different and, you know, may be searching and going from provider to provider to try to identify what that answer is. And so getting that actual diagnosis may provide some clarity, but also give people an opportunity to do some of the things that they've been wanting to do, whether it's that, that, that big whirlwind trip they've always wanted to take, whether it's also joining and participating in clinical trials or whether it is just spending quality time and make with their family and their loved ones, or even planning for their own future in their future.
0: Dr. McGuire, are there any risk factors uh, that physicians and patients need to be aware of for Alzheimer's and dementia?
1: Well, age is the best known risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, as well as family history. But the thing is, the genetics are not inevitable. We know that there are modifiable risk factors and the evidence is growing and growing um, almost daily or weekly on those the benefits of those healthy behaviors. So these risk factors that are modifiable really are healthy behaviors or the same behaviors that we know can help prevent other conditions such as diabetes or heart disease or can be beneficial in managing those conditions.
0: Tell us more About these modifiable behaviors that you can uh, say could have a a positive effect?
1: Well, you know, many people say what's good for your heart is good for your brain, but I like to say what is good for your brain is also good for your heart. Um, The most notable of those healthy behaviors that can reduce a person's risk or delay the onset of Alzheimer's or dementia. Are some of the ones that we want to see people engage in, regardless as as healthcare providers. We want people to be physically active. We know that that will help their overall health and well-being, but also their brains and their heart. Same as quitting or never smoking, and really engaging in heart healthy um, behaviors such as managing midlife hypertension if they do have hypertension and really trying to avoid or manage diabetes and also uh, trying to reduce midlife obesity. We know that there's a lot of evidence on, really the strongest evidence that there is is related to this cardiovascular health risk factors, but there's strong evidence on exercise, diabetes and obesity, traumatic brain injury, both tobacco and alcohol, nutrition and diet, sleep, sensory impairments, and also social engagement.
0: So interesting to hear you talk about the similarities between those modifiable behaviors, so to speak, uh, and given the huge upside of identifying this disease early in, uh, in its stages and making people aware of the risks and even prevention uh, factors, what's keeping screening from becoming more pervasive and a regular part of primary care?
1: That's a really good question, Todd. And I think there's multi it's a really, I think a multi-pronged reasons or multi-pronged approaches need to happen to really make that happen. Um for one, it's from the patient perspective. We know based on CDC data that people who say my memory has gotten worse in the past year, less than half of them have spoken with a healthcare provider about it. Um, there's also a lot of confusion I think from the the patient perspective on what is normal aging as you get older it related to cognition and also what is not normal or expected. So I think many times patients don't know when to ask questions of their healthcare provider but at the same time there's also a stigma. Many people have a, uh, have seen someone who has Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And it's not necessarily, um, there's, there's some fear related to the disease. And I think it really kind of goes back to many years ago with cancer. We didn't like to say that word. Uh, we, we called it the C word. And so, you know, as the science evolved and as some of the fear and the stigma reduced, we see patients that are more willing to raise those conversations with their providers From the provider side, you know, really, providers have a lot of demands. Um, They have not a lot of time with patients, and they got to get a whole lot done in that very limited time. Some of the research shows that, that some providers may lack confidence, especially in primary care and diagnosing and treating dementia. And, you know, sometimes they're also, if you wanted to refer a patient out, there may not be a place to easily refer that patient out for some um, additional testing or diagnostic procedures. Sometimes the memory centers have extremely long waits or extremely long drives, which can be barriers to the patients and also barriers to the providers for making those referrals. I mean also we need to think about too from the system approach. So with that need for a cognitive evaluation, how can it be integrated into the existing workflow in the clinical environment um, to make it make it something that occurs more frequently, especially when there's um, suspicion of cognitive decline. Uh, But I encourage people, providers, who are interested in learning more to visit our Bold Public Health Center of Excellence on Early Detection and Diagnosis. They have a wealth of resources and materials available, as well as cognition and primary care at the University of Washington. And what they're doing is they're really looking at some of those systems issues and some of the provider training issues. And they're doing a pilot implementation within their whole healthcare system on implementing a specific model that's called CARE. It's K A E R. So K is kickstart the conversation, A is assess, E is evaluate, and R is to refer. Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine. Join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine.
0: Dr. McGuire, you outlined a lot of challenges, uh, namely just the amount of time that folks have to see patients. Tell us a little bit more about how the CDC is working with partners to address uh, so many challenges and uh, what you're trying to achieve.
1: Well, there's, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, CDC, we are working to think about that multi-pronged approach. We are working with our Bold Center of Excellence on Early Detection, as well as other Uh, Professional medical organizations to make sure providers have the information, the tools, materials, resources they need to feel comfortable and confident in talking to their patients about their cognition um, and also starting to do some sort of some of those assessments and and diagnosis. Um, On the other side of the equation, CDC is working through other partner organizations to really educate the public about Alzheimer's disease and dementia and really talk about what some of the signs and symptoms are and how they might be different than normal aging. So, for example, my husband and I have been married for almost 35 years. The entire time that I've known him, he cannot keep track of a set of car keys. Um, He just gets out of the car, sometimes leaves them in the car, sometimes drops them in the couch, Um, But if we use that as a diagnostic procedure for Alzheimer's disease or dementia for my husband, he would have been diagnosed in his 20s. But, you know, at this point, you know, buy him an AirTag and that seems to help him identify where his keys are. So what I'm trying to say here is it's also understanding the person and the way that person was functioning and operating before we started to notice some of these changes. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, Dr. McGuire, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this important information. That wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed this discussion, you can support more programming like it by becoming an AMA member at ama-assn.org join. We'll be back soon with another AMA update. In the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care.